1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm really honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It's going to be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. Over the weekend, I had a really interesting situation with a vendor in my business. I've got a graphic designer who does the layout for my new magazine, Success Profiles Magazine, and I had hired him to do the next edition for me, which I hope is coming out soon. The challenging part was that he went missing in action for a whole week, and my attempts to reach out to him failed, and so I ended up canceling the project with him, and I started looking for someone else. Lo and behold, he suddenly reappeared in my life. And so at this point, a lot of people would have just said, forget it. I'm not working with you anymore. You failed to communicate with me in a timely manner. This is a monthly publication. A week out of my life really is a big deal. But I wanted to seek to understand first. And I wanted to know why he went missing for a week. He said he forgot to go on vacation mode through the outsourcing site that I found him on. So consequently, a lot of people hired him that week and then canceled on him because he didn't do projects that he didn't know he had been hired to do. He was afraid I would do the same thing, because uh, that I would leave him because he was getting a lot of one-star reviews uh, during the week that he was on break and forgot to put himself on vacation mode. He didn't want me to do that also, so he asked for a second chance, and I said yes. Now, there are a number of reasons for this, but the bottom line is it's just a lot easier for me to work with someone like him because I like how he does things. And he knows how I like things done, and I just really didn't want to spend the time to retrain someone else. I value my time. I know he does good work. Why not give him a second chance? Sometimes getting things done is a lot more important than just simply trying to prove a point, and I hope this helps someone this week. So with this in mind, I would love to introduce my very special guest. My guest this week is Gene Hammett. Let me tell you about him. Gene Hammett studies hyper-growth companies to understand uh, the challenges and opportunities for quick growth. He consults with companies to develop new strategies for their personalized path to growth. He speaks internationally about becoming the choice, not simply a choice, and cultivating the ultra entrepreneurial spirit to activate hyper growth. And his podcast is called Leaders in the Trenches. And it's been recognized by Inc. and Entrepreneur for its insight on marketing and sales leadership. He's also the author of the book called The Trap of Success, A Brutally Candid Guide to Overcoming Your Fears, Finding Significance, and Achieving Profound Success. He's also a regular contributor to Entrepreneur. He's also been featured in Forbes, Success, Business, Ins- Business Insider, and Inc. and many others. And so we'll talk about all of this and so much more on the show. So Gene, how are you today? Fantastic, Brian. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, the first thing I do want to ask, as I ask everybody, is you know just tell us a little bit about your background, your backstory, maybe some of the things that you overcame, and what you did to come through to the other side, because your story is really fascinating. Well,
2: uh, I spent about 10 years in corporate America, uh, didn't have an idea, but I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and was really focused on getting the skills necessary to be, uh, to grow a business fast. Um, I finally... Uh, 9-11 came along and, and had a chance to, to move into something of my own and started a, an idea, an e-commerce company in 2001, and uh, took that to about a million dollars the first year. Sounds pretty good, right? Yes. It, always, it sounds good, but my taxes that year were terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't making much money. And, and the way I kind of talk about it is my revenue capabilities was outpacing my leadership uh, uh-uh. skills. So I had to, to get a coach and I had to learn how to operate inside this company and engage people to not just do the work, but want to do the work. And it took a while, but over the course of about four years, I grew that business to about $5 million in revenue and uh, kind of was putting it on easy street. And uh, I wanted to do something really big, like some something really innovative at the time. It was about 2005, 2006. And I kept talking about it, but I wasn't doing anything about it. Um, It's pretty frustrating to look back at myself and know that I was I was basically uh, hampered by my own fear. And I I just stood in my own way and I just continued to do what I'd always done, which is I was making good money, but I wasn't really living the life I wanted to. Um, And then something happened that really changed everything.
1: Mm, And what was that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I uh I put together a deal with my best friend and a big big project that we'd been working on for about 18 months. Uh this was 8 years ago, so it's been a while, but looking back at it, it was it would have either made me a little over a million dollars or put me in bankruptcy and uh it it put me in bankruptcy. Uh that that contract never came through. The 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 inventory for that contract was never delivered. And I was in a legal battle for about four and a half years, and I just went through a tremendous amount of pain and anguish and doubt and everything. But it also really was a gift to doing what I do now, which is I feel like I'm really doing what I'm supposed to do by helping others you know, uh, navigate life and become the leaders and become the business owners that they always wanted to be.
1: Yeah, and I've read this in your book, and that was such an amazing story, and I'm so glad that you called that a gift, because some people wouldn't look at it, a lot of people wouldn't look at it as a gift, but you know, the things that happened to us actually happened for us. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um,
2: it wasn't easy to see that in the beginning. No. There was a lot of problems, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, just overwhelming doubt um, in myself and, and where I was going in the world. But I knew that someday, that if I kept going, I w- it would be a gift.
1: Absolutely, and you went from 1.2 million in the black to three million in debt. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. How, how how did you? Well, first of all, how did that happen? And then how how did you get out of that?
2: Uh, how did it happen? I mean, I had you know found um some some of my long term clients connected me with another supplier. And that supplier was at the the, uh, Beijing Olympics. Mm. And I won't go into too much of the details, but I was pretty pretty high level at what I did. I did sports, uh, international sports packages, and I was in Beijing. So I had like 8,500 customers in Beijing. Wow. And everything went really smoothly there. We made over, it was like $1.3 million. Um, And uh, part of the delivery of that was this new kind of partner. And... (laughs) Um, I ended up doing a bigger deal for Vancouver Olympics and uh, took on the deal myself. No partners, just me and him. And uh, it ended up not going so well. So he had all the money and he had a, a promise to deliver the inventory. And I'm sitting there with 10,000 customers plus uh, waiting for the, the inventory to come in and just never did.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That – that's unbelievable. That would be unbelievably stressful. What do you think you learned the most from that? As painful as that experience was,
2: um, it was a couple of big things in there. I mean, I, I could look back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Right. We've already heard that, but yes, um, it took me a while to see this, but I I really realized that I wasn't as courageous as I thought I was. If you had mm-hmm. asked me at the time when I was in the business before this, you know, before this this day happened. Um, I would have said, yeah, I'm per- courageous, I take chances, I'm bold, and all of those things. But there were some really big things and ideas, and I could have pulled them off. I could have raised the money. I could have created a marketplace for uh, for that market, and I, I just didn't do it. Wow. Um, I, I planned it, and I talked about it, and I, I made some some small investments, but I never really stepped into it in a big way. So now when I look at what I'm doing, I'm like, how how big can I go? How, you know, what does, you know, a small step towards something really big. So even today I'm working with my team on how do we do business with Disney and Google and, uh, Facebook? Like if those were three big companies that I want to do business with, that's, that's where I'm going.
1: Awesome. So did you find that you are structuring your deals differently now? You have legal protections, et cetera.
2: It's a completely different business. So I you know one of the things I hated about that business was it was just about money. I was making so much money that it really was afraid to lose that kind of lifestyle and the freedom that it created um, and that's the reason I wrote the book The Trap of Success is because it I really was trapped by that that comfort. Um, now I have a business that's more I guess like a personal brand, but i I'm a coach or a consultant to executives and leaders that want to Become the leaders that they know they can be and and, and really be more effective in their leadership and and really add money to the bottom line of their company So i'm doing the work that I think I was always meant to do It just I had to go through that that really terrible ordeal to get there
1: Right. I read that you uh, Do martial arts training. Is that right? I do brazilian jiu-jitsu Wow, how did the discipline of doing that? help you was the timeline was that after all this happened or during
2: no I was that was part of my part of my problem (laughs) I was training 20 hours a week uh, as a business owner so I was you know I was working a good bit but I also was training and that was part of the freedom I had created a business where I made so much money that I had freedom and so that was 2006 and I did that um, just all the way up through through the period of of losing everything and I had to pause for a little while but I ended up getting back into it because I needed I needed the 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 clear head like it really was a place where I could go and not think about life and business because I had to think about being in the moment so one of the things I learned from martial arts is if you're not in the moment it's not going to work out
1: so well for you you're either going to get hit in the face (laughs) you have Uh, to be in the moment for sure and Absolutely. That's,
2: that's a good leadership lesson. You have to be in the moment when you're listening and talking to someone because otherwise, you know, in this podcast, if I wasn't in the moment, I wouldn't be here with you.
1: Right. I'd be somewhere else. Right. Exactly. And we all need to find that place of balance where we can escape or do something else just to clear our head because there is so much noise out there, whether it's in our jobs or in our businesses or whatever the case is, Right. Right. Absolutely. We're coming up against our very first break. My guest is Gene Hammett, and we will talk about his book after the break. It's called The Trap of Success, A Brutally Candid Guide to Overcoming Your Fears, Finding Significance, and Achieving Profound Success. I will ask him what his inspiration for writing this book was. I'll ask him what the trap of success is, and a few other questions relating to themes in his book. We will come back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Don't go away. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio.
0: The Mission
1: Book The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo, it'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about running a book? And we are back. My very special guest this week is Gene Hammett, and he is the author of the book, The Trap of Success, A Brutally Candid Guide to Overcoming Your Fears, Finding Significance, and Achieving Profound Success. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do so. You can find it on iTunes for free, and you can also subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine at successprofilesmagazine.com. The first issue featured Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. On the cover, and that was a really amazing issue. And we are working on issue number four as we speak. So, Gene, let's talk about your book, The Trap of Success. What inspired you to put this together?
2: You know, I've been kicking around the idea of writing a book for for a couple of years now. I've been speaking for for about six years, and um I wanted to be sure that I had the right book. And and there's I there's multiple books inside me. And as I kept thinking about this, um I, I wrote an article for Success Magazine. And titled by the same kind of title, uh, How to Avoid the Trap of Success. And it did really well. So I'm like, okay, maybe people care about this story. I kind of got tired of telling it. Right. um, Because you tell it so many. I mean, I lived it, and now I'm telling it, and I'm telling it on stage, and I've written about it. And Okay, so got a little bit of validation there, and then the speech started taking off. People really liked the speech. And I'm like, okay, that's another point of validation. So I'm like, this is the first book. And it's not a traditional book, I'll tell you. It's, um, if, you've, if you've read much of it, you, you realize it does have a lot of uh, tactical stuff inside there. But I really put my soul in this book. Right. And so it was a book that was very cathartic. It was very much reflective on what I had been through and how I had grown and what I did to get through that and the conversations I had with clients and, and all the interviews I've done through the podcast and I just put all that together, and I said, you know what, this is a great book. And I, I didn't expect it to be as much work as it was, but it was a tremendous amount of work. Not just the writing part, but the editing and the marketing part of it has been tremendous. Um, so that was, that was the book that I decided to write first.
1: Was it a therapeutic experience for you?
2: Sure. I mean, there were, there were pieces in there where I was looking back at my own childhood, and you know, I, just looking at this, I remember being shy in high school. I didn't know how to chat up women. I didn't know how to do, uh, you know, connect with women like, and I avoided all those situations. I didn't have the fear. And so if you go back to what I talked about, not having fear in my business or not having the courage in my business, I'm like, oh, those things are related. I've been living that way. And there've been moments where I've broken that pattern. And so I've, you know, I've, you take a bold step forward. You have to make a commitment and you you really can be consistent with that. So there's all these patterns that started showing up when you start doing the work and looking back at it. And so I put all that in the trap of success.
1: Absolutely. You mentioned earlier in the first segment how the growth of your business wasn't coinciding with your leadership skills uh, and the growth in your leadership skills. So I want to ask, when did Thinking Bigger really start to change things for you?
2: You know, I... um. I wanted to make more money because I wasn't making enough. <laughs> I had left a corporate job where I was making about one hundred and fifty, and that first year I made thirty thousand. Mm. And so it was a it was a big slap in the face. And I remember my my wife is now was my fiance back then, but she goes, "Do you know what's going on here? Do you know do you know shouldn't you go get a job?" And I was like, "No, I can make this work. I got a coach, and Linda was my coach, and Linda was a fairly new coach, but Linda asked me some really good questions." And I was able to make some really strong decisions about my business and I just started growing and I would just take action I learned that taking action was really necessary now I didn't work with Linda that long but I just saw the value of it and I really felt heard so um, that was a really you know she allowed me to really get clear about what I wouldn't say it was bold it was just like I was just moving yeah and and one of the key questions I'll, I'll share with you because I, I haven't talked about this in a long time was. Mm-hmm who are your most profitable customers? I had a million dollar business. I should have known that. I didn't. Wow. And so I was, I spent the next probably three days in a coffee shop. I know exactly which coffee shop I was. It's not too far from my house. Um, and uh, I figured it out. And not only did I figure out from a profit standpoint, but or from a revenue standpoint, but a profit standpoint. like What was it costing to me to, to acquire these new customers? And that really set my business into a new direction, and I just continuously refined that until I was doing about $5 million.
1: That is a really fantastic question, knowing who your most profitable customers are, because you've got your customers who will buy everything from you, and then you've got your customers who seem like the most work and they're not profitable, and you have to be willing to jettison or fire some of those customers. Do you do a purge like that on a somewhat regular basis? Do you do that evaluation?
2: I'm really pretty good about who I bring on. Um, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I, I'm really careful. I'm. I cannot. I spend so much time and in intimate uh, uh, work with my clients that I can't bring on someone that's not willing to do the work. And right now, you've got to be willing to do the work. I've got a few rules that go along with that, but you've got to be willing to take action and move and move forward.
1: Yeah. And that is something I was planning on asking you later anyway. So why don't I ask now, as long as you just brought that up, what is, what are some clues that maybe we can get in terms of your filtering process in terms of how to know who to bring on and how to know who not to work with? Uh,
2: the real thing is, is are, do you know what you want? You know, I've, I've had a lot of clients come to me and says, I I really want to grow to this level, a million dollars or $2 million company or um, ten million dollars even, and you've got to really have a, a clear desire for something bigger because as a coach or consultant if you don't want to change i'm not going to drag you around no so, so that's a one big thing and and you've got to be humble enough to be able to go you know what i don't have it all figured out i'm willing to look at this as a beginner so one of the questions i ask is you know are you willing to look at at this with the awe of a beginner and, and try new things. And if they're willing to do that, then we, we go through a couple of different more questions. But one, I, I, I learned this from, from one of my mentors, um, uh, Taki. Do you know Taki? I don't. So he, he has this rule, and, I, and I've kind of adopted it in my business because I just love it. And I love it for myself. I love it for my clients. But when they decide they're going to do something, not when I decide, but when they decide I'm going to do something new, I call it the 48-hour rule. What will you actually create and move forward in the next 48 hours? Will you come up with draft zero?
1: Will you be able to have
2: a conversation with that to to validate that, or will you ask someone to buy what you're going to be selling?
1: Wow, that's really great. I mean, that way you separate those who take action from those who just want to talk about it for a while.
2: Yep, because I used to be that person. So now I'm looking at the the people, and I, you know, I I've got the, you know, the years of experience of, of coaching high performers. I've worked with a lot of companies. Like I have three companies that made the Inc. 5000 this year. Mm-hmm. So they're performing at a high level, right? They're growing at 2x or 3x in a year. That's pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and I've gone even further than that with my research, but I'm working with people who really want to grow. Every one of my companies that have right now wants to 2x this year. And some of them are already doing 5 million. So That's wonderful. I'm excited to work with companies that want to be a ten million dollar company.
1: That's great. And you mentioned having a coach a little while ago. I want to ask: Does getting coached on a regular basis help you be a better coach in return?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we we can't really uh, coach ourselves. Like, there's certain things we can do that to, to watch for these patterns, but we can't really coach ourselves. It's really hard because we become emotionally attached the way we've always done it and the way we've always seen it. Absolutely. And so the. But- the role of the coach is to help people see new perspectives and to get them to want to see from another angle. And you know that's what we're we're doing for others. But when you have your own coach, it's hard. It's hard when you are um, in the the business to see those perspectives.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about the importance of reinventing yourself because times change, technology changes, strategies change. You even look at the world of entertainment. You know artists like uh, Madonna, for example. Every time she put out a new album. She's reinventing herself somehow. How important is reinventing yourself in business?
2: I mean, it depends on whether you want to be stagnant or right. you want to be, keep growing yourself. And I've made a commitment that I want to keep growing and, and I'm pushing myself past those, those places of comfort. Right? I've, I've made a commitment that I'm going to be uncomfortable in this growth and it just takes that. Um, and a good example would be I just had uh, a really big speech that I've been working on for about eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it back in the fall and we just, we just did it last week and I was in Banff, Canada for a thousand brand managers, incredible stage. And I was keynoting next to the likes of like Brene Brown and some other, uh, really amazing people. And I pushed myself to not only be, know my content, like that's one level, but also just stage presence and the, the, uh, entertainment factor and engagement and come up with something fresh and just the confidence to be able to deliver all of that as a package. Um, I, re- I work with coaches. I work with, with my team. I push myself, push myself, push myself um, to the point of you know growth. Ha- I had to reinvent myself to, to be able to get there.
1: That's wonderful. So you talked about being uncomfortable a minute ago. There's a huge difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. Do you think that People who really want to stay in that comfort zone are more like they're more likely to play not to lose, but that really can hamper your growth too, right?
2: Yeah, I mean that was you know I shared my story with you. I, I was making good money. I was training jujitsu, you know, twenty hours a week, and I was playing not to lose. Um, I, I had built up this this safety net and was making good money, but I wanted more. There was something inside of me. And um, I just wouldn't let it come out. I just kept pushing it down and quit quieting that, that little uh, voice inside my head. And I, just, I think that we've got to learn to listen to that because it was telling me something that I wish I would have known and heard because I would have grown into a different direction and I probably wouldn't have been in the situation that I was in.
1: Yeah. We've got a couple minutes to our next break. I want to ask about the role of forgiveness because I think when we hang on to baggage, it really can anchor us down in places we don't necessarily want to be. So I want to ask you how important forgiveness has been to your overall, overall growth and development in business.
2: With a, a, just a few minutes left or less than two minutes, I right. I remember specifically when I decided to become a coach and I knew the first part of coaching um, I would get some value out of it. And this value came really near and dear to my heart because I knew I needed to get forgiveness. It was about six months after it happened. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for forgiveness, but what I was thinking I wanted was not what I really wanted. And my coach helped me see that and said, well, what what other ways could you see forgiveness? Because I kept thinking it was, how do I let go of the, the hurt that that person caused on me? What truly I needed to let go of was myself
1: and forgive mm. them. yeah that's a really great great answer we are coming up against our next break this is success profiles radio my very special guest this week is gene hammett and we are talking about his book the trap of success please come back after the break and don't go away this is success profiles radio And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And my very special guest this week is Gene Hammett, and he is the author of The Trap of Success. And so I would like to ask you something that I have asked a few people lately. What do you think your superpower is?
2: You know, I was thinking about this when you asked. I've always uh, explained this as it's a combination of the coaching that I do to help people see insights, but it's also the strategic vision that I have with, with the clients I'm working with.
1: Yeah, that's great. So what do you think is the number one way that you use to get clients in your business?
2: Speaking.
1: That's awesome. A lot of people are afraid of doing that. How did you, were you ever afraid of speaking or was it something that you just went right for right away?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say I was afraid. I've I've had a a very positive um, preparation strategy to make sure that I am prepared for those moments. But I absolutely... um, Knew that speaking would be a part of it. I I can remember I had a coach back over six years ago where we had you know I paid for a VIP day you know what those mm-hmm. things are right I do them sometimes but I um, sat down with her to talk about how I get on stages and we talked about my speech and we talked about this thing and two years later I was able to be speaking at a conference and she was in the audience and she I could hear her hooting and hollering and she you know we had dinner afterwards and she's just like crying to me she's like. I remember when you made you said you were gonna do this and now you're here, you've made it. I'm like, well, I got a long way to go. <laughs> um, but that was you know, something I was very intentional about. And I've even, this past six months ago, I've gotten even more intentional. I, I used to help a lot of uh, business owners. I still will and occasionally figure out how they could get on stages. But I am so focused with my own stages and my wife getting on stages that I don't even have time to help others. Um, yeah. I have two two clients right now that I'm helping, but it is just it is such a powerhouse for me. I've tried the online stuff, Brian. I've tried uh, you know some of these other things. I write for publications and I do videos and I have a podcast, but speaking is the number one way.
1: That's great. What mistakes do you see people make when they're trying to run their business or grow their business?
2: So many to to, to name. The, the the one that I see the most is not being narrow enough. Mm. Which causes them whole lots of problems they don't know what to offer they don't know what problems they don't know what transformation they're, they're actually building in and they're really a generalist and not a specialist um, it's hard to get on stages when you're a journalist you can get on small stages through relationships and things like that but you can't grow through the ranks and real unless you're really an expert in some area
1: yeah that's that's a really really great point. I I love that. That's great. So let it, let's talk about your podcast because you did just bring this up, and I was planning on asking about this anyway. Leaders in the trenches. How long you've been doing it, and what is what is the thesis behind the show? So,
2: I want to say yesterday. I didn't even celebrate this. I guess I should celebrate this. Yesterday was three years.
1: Good. Congratulations.
2: Yeah. So three hundred and four episodes, I think, right now. Um, just really, I you know, I remember. Not being scared, but I remember kind of figuring out like what I was going to do over three years ago. It took me about two months to launch it once I made the decision, which is pretty fast, right? Mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just some decisions you have to make. And you have to learn and understand the technologies and get the tools and all those stuff. So I was moving pretty fast. and uh, But I remember being scared about the interviews. And, and now it's just like it's nobody's business. I, I feel like I've grown so much just pushing myself to – to connect with people. And I, and I had such an amazing, podcasts are such an amazing place to build relationships. Like Brian, oh, when do is. we take the time to to sit and talk with each other normally? Like we're too busy. Right. But I cleared my schedule because this was important to you and me both.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. And it's important to me too. I, I love doing my show. It's great. I had my six year anniversary not that long ago and I do my show weekly. And so I'm going to have show number 300 later this year. So I'm, I'm fired up about that. It's going to be really fantastic. And I feel like I've gotten a lot out of doing this too. You learn a lot from everybody. That's the thing is you get to sit at the feet of people who you really admire and respect and just pick at their wisdom. That's, that's my favorite part about it. How about you?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's really the relationships, right? It's, uh, you can read a book, uh, you, you know, I've read dozens of books where I go, you know what, I'd love to talk to that author, and I've never had someone turn me down yeah. um, that's an author like that that wants to promote their work. Now, I'm not saying that that everyone has accepted me because I, I did reach out to Mark Cuban once. And mm-hmm. he responded by text and he goes, um, do you write for print entrepreneur or is this online? And I, I was honest. I said, it's online. And he goes, get back to me when you write for the print.
1: Oh, <laughs> OK, then. Yeah. Well, at least but, you you asked. I
2: asked, and I, I have no apologies uh, you know, about it. And, and one day, maybe he'll get on the show. Maybe we'll connect at some event somewhere. I'll be speaking. He'll see me for the for the rock star that I am, and uh, he'll want to be on the show.
1: Yeah, you are a rock star. Own it, because you are. So let me ask you this. when When you are in business, being disciplined is so important. How challenging is it? How challenging can it be for your clients? What strategies do you use to stay focused and disciplined?
2: Well, that, you, you talked about some of the problems that a lot of people have. And, and, and really, the, one of the biggest underlying problems is focus. Yeah. And focus really applies to uh, not just you know sitting in front of your, your computer and writing that article or doing a blog post or getting on a podcast. But I've learned that I don't multitask very well. I need to have a very structured, how am I going to start the day? And I protect that like nobody's business. Um, I really don't want to start the day slow and so I'm working out and I'm doing all those things and to stay focused to really keep those distractions down I know exactly the order which I'm doing things and I do it from zero to finish and then I do the next thing zero to finish and it really is this, this whole concept of you know are you finishing there's too many undone projects or half done projects out there that keep people from really succeeding And You don't get to test. You don't get to to determine whether it's uh, ready or not until you're done.
1: That is a really great question. Are you finishing? Because a lot of people start things and a lot of people don't finish things. That is a huge distinction. So What I want to ask is sometimes we get distracted and sometimes we have a problem saying no. Do you find that learning how to say no has liberated you and your business?
2: I have been saying no a lot more often. The podcast is growing and the, uh, the the people I'm having onto the show, very important to me. I have to be clear and say no where it makes sense. And so it's a little bit uneasy, just mm-hmm. being honest with you. I, I've been, I love to be liked. I love for people to, to, to be a part of my world. But I have been very critical. Like I actually have 15-minute conversations with people before they come on the show. Yeah. Every time. Like it's a rule. Like it, it's not just you get it to come on the show. It's a rule. Unless you're like Mark Cuban.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think we had that conversation before I came on your show. We had a conversation. So that was fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you find that there is a morning routine that guides the way your day starts and how your day evolves?
2: I wake up every day without an alarm clock. I rather Especially, even if I didn't get get to bed early, um, I woke up today at 5.15. It, it varies in the time, but I normally will lay in bed and pray.
1: Good.
2: I will visualize one or two things that I know I'm going to do that day. And I, I've added this to this uh, a couple of years ago. I actually visualize not just doing it, but I actually visualize finishing it. Mm. And it only takes a few minutes. Like it's like if you're writing an article, it's like, what is it? What does it feel like when you're literally you're saving that article and putting it in the right place for the process to kick off to the next level? And I visualize that, and then I get up and usually brush my teeth, <laughs> something I I, I I tend to do. <laughs> and uh, I like to hit the gym. I would like to be in the gym by six o'clock. And be done by six forty-five, and um, spend a little bit of time with the family, getting everything done, and then I'm at a coffee shop at seven thirty, and from seven thirty to nine thirty, my time.
1: Yeah, that's so important. You have to recharge and just center yourself. I get that. I mean, I talk to people who who do yoga, they go to the gym, or they they exercise, or whatever they eat for breakfast is their routine reading. I mean, there are just a lot of different ways you can start your day and I love all of that. So let me ask you this in terms of creating success in your business. Do you find that being very clear on your values has been really important to that journey as well?
2: Yeah, the values is something I work with with clients and, and because I'm working with bigger companies are growing and when yeah. you get past about five employees and sometimes it even happens before that, but five to 10 employees is a really critical time to understand the values that you have. Mm. And it's not just the words that you would, you know, talk about. It's how are you going to operationalize those? How do you make behaviors out of those values? What What is it very clearly that can be seen within the workplace, within how you're doing business together, that you would do this? Like one of my values is uh, focus. And so when I feel myself being distracted or when, I, when I'm, I feel my team is being distracted on something. We have to call ourselves back. And so, values without that, the behaviors that go with it, really don't really hold much water.
1: Yeah, that is a great value focus because uh, without that, you really aren't going anywhere. You're not going in any direction at all. There is a book, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield co-authored a book called The Power Focus. Have you read that? I haven't. I've I've skimmed through it, but it's it's really fantastic. Just the whole idea that you've got to laser focus just on that one thing. And and like we talked about earlier, having focus on your one target means saying no to a bunch of other things that sound nice. The bright, shiny object syndrome. Do you find that that's something that is prevalent or comes up a lot in your coaching? I've got this great idea. I've got this great idea. Wait, what's your real goal? Is that going to serve you?
2: I think that's part of our our role is to to know where they're going overall, mm-hmm. and to remove those distractions. And so, and we and the best way to do that is through a question, right? Is like, how does that serve you toward this goal? And yeah. when they when they make the decision for themselves, or when you make the decision for yourself, much more likely to to, to resonate with you deep inside than if someone advised you, if your mentor says you should be doing this. You can easily go, well, that may make sense for you, but it doesn't make sense for me. But when I say I must get on stages, like I'm just like it's deeply rooted and grounded in everything I do. I literally track. I've got a goal here, um, I'll tell you, and I could I could show you a picture of this if you want to put it in the the notes. I track. uh, uh, I've got a wall calendar and I'm looking at the last two months and I put a green triangle On every day that I've worked two hours toward my goal of speaking. Wow, I don't know how many green triangles are up there from the beginning of the year, but I can tell you I've 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 missed probably seven days out of the entire, and that's just days off, Saturdays and Sundays, of I didn't do it. But I have full weeks where I have just triangle after triangle after triangle, and that's because I'm tracking the one goal, which is that's focus that is moving my business forward, which is you said getting, getting leads. And so I track that one and I'm working two hours. Whenever I do two hours a day, I get myself a triangle.
1: Awesome. Okay. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Gene Hammett. His book is called the trap of success and we will come right back after the break. Please stay with us. This is success profiles radio.
0: This is the Tokenet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's Margie Lever.
3: Can you keep a secret? Apparently, most women can't. According to a London study, on average, a woman can only keep a secret for about 32 minutes. One in ten women quiz said they'd had a falling out with a friend over letting secrets slip. Plastic surgery, people involved in dalliances, canoodling, and relationship problems topped the list shared in hugger-mugger. Do the Britons gossip more than Americans? Probably not, but they certainly read more tabloids. What's a word for the enjoyment of reading about another's troubles? Schadenfreude. A quidnunc is another word for gossip. And Alice Roosevelt Longworth said it best at a dinner party. If you can't say something good about someone, sit right here by me. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio, and here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And
1: we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Gene Hammett, author of The Trap of Success. And again, if you have not subscribed and downloaded uh, Success Profiles Radio from iTunes, please go ahead and do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. And you can also subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine at Success. ProfilesMagazine.com. You can also look on Amazon for my new book, Success Profiles: Conversations with High Achievers. It comes out in about a month from right now. It'll be in April of two thousand eighteen. Take a look at that. It's on pre-order right now. So, Gene, I want to ask you, what has surprised you the most about your journey?
2: That it took so long. Yeah, <laughs> I really figured that you know losing everything. I knew it would take me a while to build it back, but a couple of years of, of working, uh, to pay the bills and and before I became a full-time coach. And, um, I, I really thought it would be much faster.
1: Okay. I certainly can understand that if you could uh, give advice to the 18 year old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Uh,
2: go for, go for the big one, go for the home run, go for be bold and, and really don't let what you can do right now, you know, Really, give be the viewpoint of you building something that's meaningful in the world.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. What would you consider to be some of the biggest mistakes that you've made along the way?
2: Not focusing. Uh, we've, we've talked about a lot that, about that and how I'm getting better with it. Uh, having, you know, too many kind of irons in the fire with lead generation and not really focusing on one that really does work, uh, like speaking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. What big goals are you still striving toward?
2: Uh, this year is 40 gigs for the year. And uh, having 30 of them completely paid um, with, at my full rate. And uh, having 10, leaving that in there for how I want to work with clients that, are, that it makes sense for me to work with at discounted at kind of rates or even
1: free. Yeah. Where is your favorite destination that you've spoken at?
2: Uh, Banff, Canada, last week.
1: Wow, what was so special about that?
2: Well, I like to ski uh, or snowboard. So that was pretty, and it's pretty. I loved the outdoors. My wife was with me. It was a great event. Um, it was just a fantastic group of people, brand leaders from all over the world. Uh, really, really great uh, conference to be a part of. And, and being able to be the keynote for that was something that um, was a big goal of mine.
1: Fantastic. That's great. One thing that I have learned is, and from people that I've interviewed and books that I've read, is that winners take a lot of responsibility. Um, Do do you find that you, in your coaching uh, in particular, do you find that sometimes a client has a problem taking responsibility, and how do you handle that?
2: So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here with this. My whole message that I talk about from a leadership standpoint is how do you get people to go beyond responsibility? Okay responsibility is great. And I I give this story and the short version of it is, do you remember your first car? Yes. And you had ownership of that car, right? Yes. But do you remember your first rental car?
1: My first rental car? Yeah. No.
2: You had responsibility for that rental car though, right?
1: Yes. As temporary as that situation was. Yes. That's
2: right. (laughs) Do you want your employees to treat their work like you did your, your rental car or like you did your first car?
1: That is mind-blowing. I love that.
2: It's ownership. And so even within my own day-to-day, I have to own my projects. And my team has to own their projects and the client experience. And, and that's the way we grow. And that's, that's what I talk about from stage. I'm so excited about it because ownership is it's not only you know, fresh in this world, but it all comes from the, the interviews I've had with um, the Inc. 5000 companies that I've been working with and, and just going out beyond that. And I spoke with 51 CEOs about what is it? What is the one thing it takes for them to be successful? And they said it wasn't responsibility; it was ownership.
1: Yeah, I want to ask you: How did you get to write for some of these publications? Did you reach out to them, or did they find you because you were so omnipresent?
2: I definitely reached out to them. I, I'm very intentional. I don't really wait for anything. Um, I I seeked out an Entrepreneur. It took me about eight months to get in there. It was. It was a little bit hit and miss the first time I went through and finally got in the second time. It took me more than two years to get into ink, which I haven't even started writing yet. It's this month I have uh, articles that will publish this month with Ink Magazine.
1: That's fantastic. What is the scariest thing you have ever done?
2: You know, you asked me that on the break, and, and I was thinking about it myself. I remember about four years ago, I was not doing that well in my business. My clients were doing fantastic, which is. Really kind of a it was painful for me, but where I really called on my own courage was uh, investing in my own coach, and it was almost twenty thousand dollars and i did, I wasn't making anywhere near what I needed to make to even pay my bills and I talked to my wife about it, and she goes, Make sure you get a big boy coach and i'm saying that with a smile because I knew I was going to have to spend money for a big boy coach,
0: yeah. and it
2: scared the crap out of me, and i went into that with such zeal and such boldness that I, I got my money back in the first six weeks.
1: Wow. Was that because you started speaking or because you launched a new program? How did you go about doing that?
2: I, you know, most people ask me, you know, your coach must've been fantastic. And I'll say my coach was fantastic, but I hadn't even met with my coach yet. Mm. The first time we were going to get together was like the six weeks and I had a couple of things that I did new. And I just went into this with just a new perspective. And I put together some small uh, mastermind events. I think I had like eight people come in. Um, and one of, those eight, uh, one of those eight people events, I mean, I charged like 200 bucks for people to come to this. I made $40,000 off new clients from that one event. Um, so I, that was the scariest thing is, is investing $20,000 that I did not have to so that I could grow and it challenged me more than you could even imagine.
1: Yeah. If someone is thinking, well, wow, you came up with that, but I can't, what can people do to come up with that? I mean, I would imagine selling more of what you have, or maybe coming up with new streams of revenue that you haven't currently explored.
2: Um, you know, I think it's different for everyone. Like, is it, is it a new stream of revenue? Maybe it's letting go of some streams of revenue. I, mm-hmm. I've let go of some things to really focus on what I'm offering because it's really clear when that's working you 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 make it work when it's not working it's not working so you got to figure out how to make it work but if you're you're hiding behind well I could sell this or I could sell that most people have too many things they're selling especially in this expert space
0: mm-hmm. so
2: i i really would say maybe you just need to have one thing and do it really well
1: yeah that that's really really true too because if you think about branding you know we, Companies are usually known for one thing that they do very, very well. Anyone who tries to be a generalist, like you said, they're going to flounder and they're not going to get very far. So that makes a lot of sense. You like to read because you like to write. Most writers like to read. So what are some of the most influential books that you've read that have impacted you?
2: Um, I'm going to give you two. Uh, one of them is The Gifts of, of Imperfection by Brene Brown. That, that came out when I was really at a down moment in... I had shame, and I had this guilt that I was carrying around with me, and this was this was years ago. So that book really has helped me, and then just been a big fan of of the Start With Why movement, and what Simon Sinek has done there has just been fantastic. So I'm still trying to get him on the podcast.
1: Yeah, have you done a TEDx talk yet?
2: You know, I here's here's me opening up and being real. I I went for a TEDx talk um, in December. I did mm-hmm. a lot of work around it. I, I it was really felt like it was a good fit for me. I had a really good topic, and I didn't get it, and I was deflated, mm. and it really did hurt me. And I'm I'm, not, I'm just being honest because I really wanted it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um, I was I was you know a few days later I was able to let that go and move on with this. And since then, it's a lot of work to do a TED talk. Let's just be honest. Like that 18 yeah. minutes takes, you know, hundreds of hours to prepare for if you want to do it right. And I would have had to put a lot into it. Well, I've booked three or four gigs around this. I wouldn't have been able to do the TED talk right because of all the work that's come up to me recently. So maybe God was looking at me and saying, you know what? Maybe you'll get that TED Talk, but it'll be be down the road.
1: Yeah, it'll come at the right time. I'm I'm completely confident that you're gonna get a TED Talk. I I see that for you. So awesome. I'm glad. Let me ask you this, because we've all great champions have gone through a lot i think god gives his greatest battles to his strongest soldiers how do you think champions view adversity different than everybody else
2: how does how do i champion through adversity yeah
1: Yeah. how how do champions view adversity how do you view adversity yeah
2: i mean it's there to to really get you to see what you couldn't see before and get Mm -hmm. and to grow um every time we're challenged i mean i think it's it's really to prepare us for the next level of growth. Um, this, you know, me losing $3 million in one day and, and all the things that went with that over the years was tremendously difficult. Yeah. And it prepared me for building this business, which I love, 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 love. And I love working with the, the companies I'm working with and the leaders. But it hasn't been easy. Like over the years, it's been, it's been lots of up and downs. I've been distracted in, in some of my marketing ways and, and client ways. And now that I'm so clear, like I feel like that's, I just had to go through that adversity to get to where I am right now and appreciate the success I have and these opportunities that are coming this way.
1: Fantastic. As we are nearing the end of the show, here's the question that I ask everybody, Gene. Who inspires and motivates you?
2: Um, I, this is a hard one for me because I've got so many mentors in my life I think about, you know, what people have been able to do, and and I really go back to Brene Brown, and that's you know it was such an honor for me to to be at the same event where she was speaking and um, to be sharing the stage with the keynote with her, and she's just such a real person, and and what she's done with her brand and and, and the impact she's making in this world, like just absolutely impressive, and and I'm I'm in awe by her and uh it's it's she's someone i look up to for for years and, and probably will always
1: fantastic so as we come to the end of the show gene how can we find you how can we try with you and vibe with you
2: uh you know find me at genehammett.com that's where i'm, I'm creating my home base i'm moving the the leaders in the trenches podcast same name but we're moving it into the genehammett.com brand um you can find me on the social channels at Gene Hammett, uh I write for Entrepreneur, soon to be writing for Inc., and so if you see me out there writing, you read something that you know it's by me, make sure you reach out. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you, and um, if I can help you in any way, just, uh, just reach out.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Gene. This was a really fun hour, and I really appreciate you, and I appreciate our friendship. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thank you so much. And this has been Success Profiles Radio. And thank you all for joining us and listening to another episode of the show. Uh, Join me next week on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern when I interview another world-class achiever and learn how they succeeded, what they overcame on their way uh, to the top, and what we can learn from that journey so that we don't have to repeat other people's mistakes because that's always the best way to gain experience. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Goodbye, everyone.